0: Joseph and I'm Nick and this is fish jelly and I've got a gasoline gut with a Vaseline mind okay how that's, are you that's from Tigre. <laughs> it's oh, from what a song by La Tigre. Oh God called Decepticon that I quite like uh, I'm fine how are you
1: okay I still my voice is still not a hundred percent
0: polyps <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yesterday was busy
0: and today's busy
1: because you had to interview someone
0: oh yes and there was an office Christmas party as a cherry on top
1: and a holiday Christmas party I'm sipping on a hot beverage to keep my vocal cords moist okay Mariah Um, yeah but that was fun I didn't stay up I mean I sound like I partied hard but that's residual sickness Um, I did not stay up that late and I didn't drink that much
0: it's okay. The world is not judging you. <laughs> uh, I, I interviewed direct the director of uh, Gangubai Katiwati, Uh And that went well. Good. At the Four Seasons.
1: Do you have anything else you want to say about that?
0: No. no? I mean, <laughs> you know, leading up to any of those things, I'm always anxious. Yes, you are. Uh, we have the
1: same conversations every time.
0: I know. <laughs> But it's it's like the worst part is the waiting period right before because once I start, it you know it it's go and it it almost always goes quite well.
1: Yes, and then the holiday party was fine. Um,
0: and today I will be in uh, voting jail because I have to vote for LAFCA, the Los Angeles Film Critics Association, and that takes a long time. Mm.
1: I was going to say about the holiday party, it seems like a lot of people like daycare might be an issue. So like significant others weren't brought so they can stay at home with children and people seem preoccupied and there weren't as many people as years past. Well, a bunch of people have COVID and then people aren't well, yeah. So it was an interesting, uh, situation, but I'm always happy to see people moving on someone told us about r kelly having a new album oh, God. but i wanted to read because apparently it's not <laughs> excuse me a collection of new songs from r kelly that briefly appeared on spotify and apple music on friday was an unauthorized release of stolen music the incarcerated r&b singer's attorney said so um that 13 track Album is music of Mr. Kelly's that is in the hands of people who should not have it. The songs, all recorded before Kelly's imprisonment, appeared on the digital platforms Friday and were taken down
0: within hours. Um, so yeah. Uh he's gonna have to sell that album out of his trunk or have somebody But the but the
1: album was t- like the body of work was titled I Admit It, which of course was like, What? With Isn't tracks like air, I found love and freaky sensation. Uh, okay, <laughs> but yeah, it sounds like those were not recorded while he was going through this criminal process using the,
0: the bars of the prison, to... but it's
1: so sad. I mean, he was such a prolific, I know, like songwriter and music producer and, and recording artist, and talented, yeah, I mean, and very talented. And I've seen him in concert twice and uh, you know, I like his earlier music. He used to be part of a group and he had more like uptempo songs with that group that I liked. Mm-hmm. But of course, like when bump and grind came out, that was huge. And I mean, he has so many songs and he's written songs for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, um, he, he did a remix for Janet Jackson's anytime any place that I really like. He wrote for Michael Jackson, just like everybody. So to think that now he's in prison broke off of the crazy, wild, awful shit he did is like insane. But but here we are. But here we are, and I'm not defending R. Kelly. Uh, moving on, I was going to say people, whenever I mention I haven't seen a movie like Disney's Pinocchio, we get all of these message about messages about how can you have not seen, and I feel like I have to remind people that I was born in the late 70s, uh-huh. and as a child in the 80s, there were no streaming platforms and particularly with Disney properties,
0: Disney used to be very hard to get a hold of. Yeah. Disney was
1: very, they only released, like you can only buy the VHS cassettes. And they like, were expensive. They were super expensive. My family did not have money to spend a hundred dollars on a VHS cassette and you couldn't even buy them when you wanted to, they
0: came out in limited release, like seasonally and, and renting VHS was a treat. And my, my dad in particular was not interested in renting cartoons. So I I mean, it. it, They had to be. I. My mother would have to take me to the theater to see Disney usually, but I, I somehow I saw those. I don't remember. I don't remember how.
1: Yeah, I don't. I didn't see all the Disney movies, especially if they didn't come out. Well, even those. Like I think I saw Little Mermaid once it came out on VHS because like one of the kids my mom babysat they had it. Maybe I don't know that my mom bought it, but other ones I don't think. Maybe I saw Lion King and Aladdin because of the kids my mom watched. But Beauty and
0: the Beast, I saw in the theater. Yeah, yeah de- but
1: I definitely didn't see the only thing I ever saw in a theater was Snow White. I recall, like we went to a theater and that was playing. But yeah, access to certain films was not like it is today. So just to remind people, <laughs> and also if it didn't come out during that time. There, there also wasn't the same access, like as a 10 or 11 year old, I wouldn't have known what was out to even ask if it came out before I was, you know, so yeah, but I'm always surprised that people are so surprised. Like I just didn't have access to those things. There's nothing in the sorry to this man section, (laughs) which can't be true. Probably. And then films released. We didn't cover Christmas, bloody Christmas.
0: Uh, yeah, a Shutter release, but I think it got a theatrical as well. You know, Joe Bigos directed something. I saw TIFF's Toronto uh, Midnight Madness. Select, I don't know. I don't even remember the title of it, but I remember hating it. Something about I in the title. So I, uh, although I do enjoy Christmas horror movies, this was not on my the top of my list to do during a very busy week. I would definitely watch it though.
1: Something called Loudmouth?
0: A uh, documentary about Al Sharpton. Oh. directed By uh, Josh Alexander, uh, who I believe is his second documentary, and uh, is also an actor.
1: I'd be interested in that.
0: Yeah, good title, too.
1: Roll Dolls Matilda the Musical.
0: We would have seen a screener of this, but we were ill, uh, so we'll have to wait. Because Netflix released it this week theatrically. I think it comes out on Christmas Day on their streaming platform. Uh, I was a fan of the book I was commissioned to read this to my second grade class <laughs> so I have very fond memories of this book and uh the original film with what's the little girl's name Mara Wilson and M Beth Davids I remember mm. being fine with but the magic of Roald Dahl is usually in the, in the written word but uh, and i ha- i'm not familiar with the musical because it's a tony award-winning musical now blah 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 uh, but i will see this uh Lashana lynch is the as the kind teacher miss honey so that's sweet to me and uh <laughs> matthew work directed it who directed pride which we saw mm.
1: <laughs> lastly to the end
0: uh it's a documentary about a group of representatives trying to get the Green New Deal, directed by Rachel Lears, and notably from the previews, the most recognizable face, of course, is AOC. Yeah, I watched the trailer. Okay.
1: (laughs) Oh, gosh. Sorry. Moving on to movies we watch for fun, The Kings of the World.
0: Uh, This won the San Sebastian Film Festival this past year, directed by Laura Mora Ortega, and I watched it because I had to interview her. Uh, because it is Colombia's uh, official submission for the best uh, international features. Uh, lovely uh, director, lovely film. Uh, and I did like it. All
1: that breathes.
0: Uh, I was trying to catch up on some documentaries for voting. Uh, this won a prize in ben, uh, Sundance and Can. You were in the room while I was watching. It was about those two brothers in uh, New Delhi. Who are oh yes, about birds the, or something. Those black kites and the pollution is such that these these you know magnificent birds are like dropping dead out of the sky. No. Uh, it has its touching moments. It, I thought it was a little bit on the dry side, but uh, I'm also tired. Oh, uh, you said this title already, Gangubai Kathiawadi. Gangubai Katiawari. Uh It's the recuperation of. Uh, Uh, a courtesan, a a girl sold into prostitution who becomes a very notable madam in 1960s Mumbai. Uh, Yeah, very interesting. And uh, I I thought it was... Because you'd think it'd be... It's not technically a Bollywood film, even though there are musical numbers. Uh, So it's kind of different for... an outside of the usual mainstream Indian cinema that you might see. Uh, It premiered in Berlin. And I guess technically right now it's the most globally streamed Indian title Mm. on Netflix.
1: Lastly, we finished uh, the Netflix series Wednesday. Yeah, we did. Um, We talked about it in the live video for Village of the Damned. But overall, I thought it was good. Mm -hmm. We were we were both not feeling well. So over the course of like two and a half days, we watched all of it. And I liked it. And I would definitely watch if there's another season. Although we did say that I, we both agree that Christina Ricci is so great in the series. I don't, like I would have much preferred we had a version. I would have preferred this had been like Wednesday as Chris, Chris, Christina Ricci as Wednesday all grown up and what her life looks like now. I would have preferred that as the story. And yeah. and then I, I thought it, it would be fun if maybe she had kids and they were normies and how, She's balancing raising normies with being the sadistic person. But instead we got Jenna Ortega
0: as a, like a a petulant young woman.
1: And I thought she was fun. I think the first two episodes, it was a little like unrelenting how cynical and flat she
0: is. Just a, you know, a response to everything. It's just like, okay.
1: Yeah. It it was a little much, but then she kind of warms up a little bit and then they give her something to do beyond just being snarky. So it, I enjoyed it in the end. It does feel a little
0: draw, like drawn out. Yes, and I don't really like the hide, how the hide creature looks.
1: I'm surprised at how silly that creature looked. Yeah, it looks like a big cartoon. It's so silly that I almost think I'm supposed to like it because there's no, (laughs) because it looks so like cartoonish.
0: But whatever. Um, and I do like Gwendolyn Christie. Yes, she's very good. She's the principal. Uh, I ever since. Uh, seeing Peter Strickland's Flux Gourmet, I, I will often just randomly say,
1: Jen Stevens. And every time you do, I'm confused. Like,
0: this is Jan Stevens. <laughs> I fucking love that. Moving on to projects of interest. Something called Blitz. Uh, something called Blitz, which about, it's going to be about, guess what, the Blitzkrieg and uh, uh, London. Steve McQueen is directing, and it's going to star Sarah Sharon and Harris Dickinson. And... Uh, Kathy Burke. Mm.
1: So unfortunately, there is an entry in the obituary section. Last what day was it that Kirstie Alley died?
0: Oh, I don't remember the day.
1: Oh. I just remember
0: how I felt. I remember. <laughs> how did you feel? I mean sad. I, you know, all these, you know, we're the uh, we're all marching towards death, and then it's just like, oh, you know, a ton of people from my childhood are now dying. <laughs>
1: God. Uh, yeah. So we,
0: in honor of her life, we did in honor of her life. I, to be clear, I don't agree with a lot of the things that came out of this lady's mouth in the later part of her life. Well, I don't know much, uh, but I, I I always thought she was transfixing and beautiful and I have fond memories of her screen presence. Uh, even though my parents probably didn't even share that same sentiment, even though because of them, I watched, you know, you know, I I have very clear memories of being put to bed as a little kid and the Cheers theme because they could so they could watch Cheers at night. Yeah. Um, But we did a live
1: review of Village of the Damned in honor of her. Yes. (laughs) Well, the category was her and people voted for Village of the Damned, but and Same. I remember her from Cheers and Veronica's closet. And I, I always thought she was a striking figure. Like she seemed like a bold, audacious lady. Yeah, and I do recall there being a lot of fodder regarding her weight, which as a young person felt so icky. Yeah. Like, you know, as an adult, I understand why I think it's so icky that we focus on people's bodies. But as a kid, I remember just thinking like, it's so mean that everyone just talks about this lady. And then she feels obligated to get on TV and reveal her bathing suit body. And mm-hmm. so those are my memories. I know she was a Scientologist. I know she made some political comments that she then, I don't know, it, you know, again, I like, like I mentioned on the video, I don't know enough about this lady to have an opinion other than I have fond memories of her on TV. And I remember thinking she was just fun to look at. And
0: yeah, she had colon cancer. Uh, I think it went from my understanding, it went pretty quick. Yeah. And that's what got, uh,
1: oh God, my mind, Chadwick Boseman among many, many people. Yeah. But,
0: you know, cancer gets everyone. And she was 71. So, you know, she had a big life. She did. It's just sad. But it, it, you know, comes for us all. Yes. We need to take a quick break.
1: all right this week's selection was Nix for the secret movie that's right um and it's related to a film we reviewed called
0: babylon
1: that isn't the video's not dropping i think for another week and a half yeah
0: it doesn't the, the general public won't see the film until december 23rd so who knows how- how this is going to be received but we
1: have we will have two videos for babylon because we recorded one several weeks ago after nick had seen it and i had not and then we recorded another one yesterday or the day before i believe because i had seen it Mm -hmm. but our secret film is referenced in babylon it's the 1952 american musical romantic comedy film directed and choreographed by Gene Kelly and Stanley Donan. It's called Singing in the Rain.
0: Yay! Joseph has never seen this, and I thought that we needed to correct that because I thought you might appreciate, you know, a little more, at least why I really like, I can feel the reverence in Babylon for this period.
1: Well, I hadn't, ne- like you mentioned, I had never seen Singing in the Rain, and I thought it was, I would give it five out of five. I mean, it's excellent, it's a masterpiece.
0: And this, and- this is how you make a movie well and i don't even like musicals but i i remember the i the first time i saw it was for a film class in 2006 and i remember you know even just dreading even as i put it on and then it's kind of it's movie magic well and you know my
1: issue with babylon is that it feels all over the place it feels chaotic these characters don't have any sort of interiority that i think the what what i was going to say is this is how you make a movie like that because the same as true for singing in the rain it's just kind of chaotic the story's silly like mm-hmm. these silent film actors have to make a talkie not unlike in babylon and the struggles they have with that but you know it's very basic and these character there are four main characters not unlike in babylon but in singing in the rain they're just so these characters are written so well to aid sort of the plot moving forward mm-hmm. and wrapping up this silly story and it's so satisfying but I mean, I just said the basic story. Gene Kelly and Gene Hagen play like silent film stars, and there's a movie ca- called "The Jazz Singer." Yeah, Al Jolson's "The Jazz Singer." That comes out, and it's a talkie, and it's like the hit. Of, it it's the hit of all of Europe and can. And mm-hmm. then, so yes, Faye. So the person who runs the studio that Gene and Gene work for is like. Well, we need to make a talkie, but then we realize that while Gene Kelly's acting and talk, you know is okay in the talkie, Gene Hagen's her voice is—it almost feels like uh, Jennifer Tilly in *Bullets Over Broadway* was copying Gene Hagen. Like uh-huh. she has a very high-pitched, nasally, annoying voice. Uh-huh. So or of co-
0: Judy holiday, maybe even uh, it, it, from uh, *Born Yesterday*.
1: So, of course, that's not going to work. And then here comes Debbie Reynolds and Gene Kelly and Gene Hagan are supposed to be kind of a couple, but clearly it's more for business. And when Gene Kelly meets Debbie Reynolds, he's, he's like in love with her and she's couldn't be cuter, mm-hmm. couldn't be more adorable. Something that's very interesting is Deborah, Debbie Reynolds character has a beautiful singing voice, but her singing voice is actually Gene Hagan, which is funny because then in the end, so what happens is they decide, well, because they try to shoot the talkie and it's a nightmare. They get like they show it to like a preview audience mm-hmm. and it's like embarrassingly bad. So they come up with the bright idea that Debbie Reynolds will provide the singing voice and the and the
0: they'll over they'll dub her.
1: They'll 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 dub Gene Hagen with Debbie Reynolds' voice, but really it's Gene Hagen's voice, so it's like meta, but um that works.
0: Yeah, and then the and the, the crowds re- love it. The reveal and
1: then so They, Gene Kelly sort of is holding it over Gene Hagen's head that like Debbie Reynolds is going to be the next new star, but Gene Hagen's not stupid. She goes to the press and tells everyone that that's her voice. Mm -hmm. So if the studio, you know, tells the truth, they'll all look crazy. But in the final scene, they have the idea because the audience wants to hear Gene Hagen sing because... They don't ever want her to speak Mm -hmm. because her voice is so terrible, but she's being real arrogant at this point and saying like, I run this shit. So she gets on stage and starts talking to the audience and they all start laughing Mm -hmm. like WTF. So they have the bright idea of having her lip sync while Debbie Reynolds is behind the curtain singing, singing, singing in the rain. But their real plan was as she's singing, they're going to pull the curtain and everyone will know and they do. And of course people love Debbie Reynolds, uh,
0: and but but that's what's a, a very interesting scene if you know the mechanics going on where gene hagen's being like doubled du- we're dubbing back to herself right as the and the woman behind the screen is actually the one who's being dubbed <laughs> there isn't anything about this movie i
1: didn't like um first off so i i know the name gene kelly because i recall michael jackson talking about gene kelly sure. in interviews and saying how inspired he was by him among others but i never knew how dreamy gene kelly mm-hmm. is he's very handsome he just yeah
0: i i, I can't believe i didn't know well i that that's what gene I, kelly I think the only thing like. i've shown you starring him previously since we've been together as Xanadu, which is his last. You know, oh, that's he's hard, an older man. That's I think that's his last screen appearance. And that's hardly um, a testament to his ability.
1: And then his best friend in the film is played by uh, Donald O'Connor as Cosmo Brown. And I thought he was couldn't have been more adorable. Like he's like his comedic acting, his facial expressions. He's so cute. He has the most big blue eyes.
0: And he he plays the kind of character that I would think if you told me about him, I'm like, oh, I'd hate that. And but you know it. No, it's... he's so charming. They're both. And when they're together
1: dancing, I mean, they're just perfect. They're so cute. But it really is like a fan because, you know, oftentimes movies like this, like set in this era with white people, mm-hmm. is always like, oh, God, because in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking like, you know, they had slaves, you know, they treated black people. <laughs> yeah. So then I'm always mad. But this movie definitely took me out of that like it's just a fun silly movie that's so well done and it is chaotic the way babylon is well i mean babylon's are aping off of this but it it just works so well and there were times i was like am i confused right now well it doesn't matter no
0: this is technically a fantasy sequence that's (laughs) in the mind of gene kelly uh that is not happening whatsoever (laughs) but let me continue through my notes so um I I
1: did think it was funny that Gene Kelly's wearing all of the makeup. Oh, yes. The close-ups on
0: him, it's like, oh, wow.
1: He is wearing so much. And it's funny because he's very handsome. So I don't know why they put all of the makeup. I mean, I know from when it was shot in the theater, like it was a different experience than now watching it on HD. But yeah. Um, When Debbie Reynolds... So the way Gene Kelly meets Debbie Reynolds is because he's a huge star. He's at like he's walking around with his best friend and a group of kids mob him and start like ripping out his clothes because they say they want a souvenir. Yeah. And he like escapes like he jumps on top of a trolley and jumps into a car and the car is being driven by Debbie Reynolds. And we find out she is like a theater actor mm-hmm. and she's acting real pretentious and she's pretending she doesn't know who Gene Kelly is and she is not feeling him. At no, all. that's a really cute scene because he's so offended. Mm-hmm. But then he ends up at a party later that night and she's working it as like a chorus girl, like a chorus
0: girl. She's the one that jumps out of the cake.
1: And Gene Hagan's character can tell that Gene Kelly kind of likes her. So they have a little incident where. Inadvertently, Debbie Reynolds throws like a cake <laughs> in Lena's, well, Lena, Jean Higgins' character yeah. is Lena, throws a cake at her face. I thought that was funny. And of course, Gene uh, Higgins' character gets Debbie Reynolds fired. But um, at the party, some executive is like, there's this new technology I want to show everyone. And everyone's kind of making fun of it. Like, who shows a movie at a party? Mm-hmm but it's like this man who looks like vincent price yeah he
0: looks decrepit he mm-hmm. looks
1: decrepit i don't know why they chose him to be like the person showing what a talkie's like because he looks dead but he's explaining like i'm talking to you on video mm-hmm. my voice was recorded and synchronized with this video i thought that was so cute like this them trying to explain the initial like of what a talking people about. are still confused, like, huh? And then everyone's like, "There's someone behind the screen talking." And Nobody's gonna want to see movies. <laughs> no with one's sound. gonna want to see a movie with sound. Um, then we move on, and there, because Gene Kelly's talking to his best friend and kind of bummed out that, like, it was implied by Debbie Reynolds that he's not a real actor. And then the character's name is Cosmo. He does a song called Make Him Laugh, mm-hmm. and I thought that was so good. Yeah. The, well, the physicality
0: of the that. physicality and like the way he moves his face and it it's really, really
1: impressive.
0: Yes. And, you know, he won a Golden Globe for this performance. No Oscar nominee. I believe Gene Hagen was nominated for an Oscar. I mean, I think, yeah. There's so many good performances, but... Uh, and a very young Rita Moreno as Zelda Zanders pops up. We only out. see her a little bit. Yeah, she's yeah usually on the sidelines, but she's the one that uh, tells Lena Lamont what's really going on with the dubbing. <laughs> but yeah. she looks great. And it's just funny because last week's uh, film was The Ritz. <laughs> mm, <laughs> where she
1: stars. We're, in we're
0: recuperating Rita's uh, B-sides, but... Um. So Gene Kelly and Gene Hagen have
1: to take like voice lessons. And I really liked the voice coach for Gene
0: Hagen. Who was that lady? Oh, I forget her name. You've seen her and stuff. But
1: she's like, remember, round tones. Right? Round tones, yes. And that poor lady, she looks so frustrated because there's no way Gene Hagen's character is going to sound good. <laughs> and then we get to um, Gene Kelly with his voice coach. And he's there with uh, um, Cosmo. And then they do like a number just out of nowhere. (laughs) But I think, you know, people who don't like musicals always say, oh, I don't like it. They just burst out in song randomly. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it is weird because a lot of musicals, it's not random. It's like pertinent to what's happening. But instead of saying the words, they're singing them. And sometimes I agree that feels awkward, but in this movie, it really is random. They just bust out into song and it doesn't make any
0: sense and it's so good um it's the voice coach is kathleen freeman who uh you might know as sister mary stigmata from the blues brothers she's really good in this she's been she was around forever because she's also a naked gun 33 and a third which is probably how i i remember her face the most as an older woman but so we finally get to
1: recording the talkie and it does not go well because gene kelly's character is kind of rough around the edges and then gene Hagen sounds terrible and then she's not speaking into the mic oh that's a great scene so the so the i don't know if it's the director or the sound person is getting so frustrated and then they try different things like sewing the microphone onto her like dress but then they can hear her heartbeat and they sh- like sew it to her shoulder but then she keeps talking away from it it's so good and then when they play it for the audience it's just like oh, this is terrible. Like the very first scene is her walking and she she's like playing with her pearl necklace.
0: Yeah. And all you hear is like <laughs> the, the pearl. pearls clanking. Because what is it? The, the Millard Mitchell is R.F. Simpson, the head of the uh, studio, who's a very, a very annoying character. But he's like, what is there? A thunderstorm outside? <laughs> um,
1: And then watching the movie, I just thought, how does a movie that's 70 years old look and sound better than most of the shit I see today? Well, it's, I think it's the care and... It's the meticulous well, and, and then, you know, these studios had these sound stages with all the things they need, and then they had a system, right? Mm -hmm. Like nowadays, even, a even a notable director nowadays doesn't have a team. Yeah. Like, like, like there is no system to support these people. So they have to go out and find people. And as we all know, when you do something, I mean, just for instance, like Like doing hair that isn't at my chair, like the chair I work in every day, if you tell me go do hair in your fucking bedroom for you one Saturday, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be the same. It's awkward. Like I'm not accustomed to it. So I think, yeah, these, a lot of the things that get made today are just like these one-off things. Yes, people reuse people who they like to work with, but the environment's different. So I feel like this movie is a testament to like the studio era and how... It was a machine and you can see in the finesse of it all and yes how smooth everything works and all the bit players like i mean they're all top notch mm-hmm. yeah if you had to recreate well it's a, this it, movie without any special effects because it's all practical
0: well i think there was a care taken in everything everyone had to shine a little bit because i don't know you know we watch a lot of stuff and it's like well this person has no screen presence well, that's part. what I was going to say. For Babylon, it's like, so, Brad Pitt's character in Babylon is supposed to
1: be like the biggest, John silent Gilbert, silent, yeah. silent, silent film star, and I think the like in Babylon they just hired an A list actor. Yeah. Um, who i do think brad pitt is like he has a lot of charisma i think that's good casting it is but i mean but but i feel like it's solely relying on the fact that we're all seeing brad pitt on screen sure that it made it believable but gene kelly i mean he's just like so magnetic on screen he's also dancing and singing as brad pitt is not and then like debbie reynolds i mean if i'm just comparing characters like debbie reynolds being like
0: I mean, well, Mar- Margot Robbie's more of like a Gene Hagen type in, right. in, in in Babylon than Yeah, they aren't direct
1: comparisons, but I just think like Margot, I, I did like her in Babylon. I I did too. She's very watchful. It's a very different movie. It's much more dark, but oh yeah, it's a it's a nightmare, really. But but I just think like all the players, even like Sid Sharice is in the movie. Oh,
0: we didn't talk about that's one of my favorite scenes. Well, I'm not done with okay. the notes, but th- that, that can be the next one. Like, so then there's like a... It's a fantasy sequence where...
1: Because they're redoing the movie, so the talkie they make is a disaster, so they have the idea that they're going to make it a musical and then, of course, dub over with Debbie Reynolds. And then we see some of the songs they plan on doing, and then the head of the studio goes well how are you going to end it mm-hmm. and gene kelly says well we were thinking about this random broadway number like he goes to broadway and which makes go, no sense
0: and we basically go into the mind of gene kelly
1: and and it's just this really fun it's almost like they're in like a casino royale environment yes. and then while he's there he sees sid C- sharice who is stunning
0: who's ca- whose characters not have a name She's just this dancer that steps out but
1: she's just like i mean yeah the, the minute we see her on screen it's like whoa and then there's this really beautiful sequence where she's dancing with like this long train, like Cape. Yeah. More of a Cape and, and the, the wind and is blowing and this very delicate fabric. And the Cape is long, mm-hmm. it reaches up to the heavens mm-hmm. and the wind's blowing and the way it's choreographed and synchronized. It's just, I mean, it couldn't be more perfect. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And I just. Yeah, I just kept thinking if they had to redo this movie shot for shot, no special effects. I mean, it it would be a
0: huge, huge, huge production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And finding people who exude. The same level of charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent.
1: I mean, watching Gene Kelly and uh, his name is Donald O'Connor.
0: Yeah. Together. I and mean it,
1: who would have that who I mean and were these were those two guys even friends like I would love to know their relationship because they they seemed like they were like twins mm-hmm. yeah and then, synchronized yeah and then I bet you if we learned about the production it's like those two barely knew each other they met right when they both took the role oh roles. yeah I'm I'm not sure <clears> and or maybe not maybe they worked a lot together but it's very evident that a lot of work went into those two seeming
0: so synchronized I and, do know Gene Kelly was chased off to Europe uh he had to discreetly go there because of, of course, fucking McCarthy uh, during this era. And I did. I recently learned, I think I referenced it because I talked about Marty because I rewatched that. Betsy, he was married to Betsy Blair at the time, which I think is really interesting. Uh, when Lena, Gene Higgins' character,
1: realizes what's happening about the dubbing, she says she gives an exclusive interview to every paper. I thought that was so funny. She's actually very
0: <laughs> cute, because you'd think you'd hate her, but she's actually kind of uh, a lot of fun, especially when she's uh, exchanging hate speak with Gene Kelly when they're filming that silent scene. Yeah, that's a really good scene. Um, and then in the end, when she's telling the studio head, like, I'm in charge, but I'm confused. <laughs> oh, God, the studio head is such an idiot, because he's like, I don't know what to do. Well, yeah, yeah.
1: And then she, when, when they she gets real lofty in her head like yeah i'm in charge i'm gonna go give a speech and they're all like yeah let her give the speech
0: let her give the <laughs> then speech." then she tells like, these people like we're so glad we could um enhance your humdrum lives it's
1: like Bitch, uh the only plot point that i kind of didn't like that that i thought was a little strange is when the curtain is lifted and everyone sees debbie reynolds and debbie. she runs she runs and i just thought why does she run she should have stood there and been like yeah it's me I did all this shit. She wasn't gangsta. She didn't. Know. No, she wasn't. But then, of course,
0: uh, Gene Kelly stops her and tells the audience, like,
1: she's the star of the
0: show. And well, remember because she felt betrayed. She's like heartbroken there because she feels betrayed by Gene Kelly. Well, they had to
1: do that because they couldn't tell her what they were thinking right. in front of Gene Hagan. So yeah, in the process, Debbie Reynolds, demi Debbie Reynolds' character got all butt hurt. But
0: and you'd you'd think I wouldn't like Debbie Reynolds based on you know just it's kind of like that Doris Day thing. And like I was like the bad. The bad girl uh and she never really was that but this you know debbie reynolds was not as notable in 1952 i mean this is five years before something like tammy and the bachelor which was a huge hit uh, for her and she kind of became the the star that she is married to you know the tumultuous relationship with eddie fisher among mm. others well, yeah, this is a five out of five
1: masterpiece movie for me. I can't believe uh, I had never seen it. I'll definitely watch it again. I would love to see it in the theater. Oh yeah,
0: I did, but no, I've been tra- I've been wanting to show this to you for years, and I guess this was uh, on the heels of you seeing Babylon was probably a good time. Uh, yeah, I can see how the filmmaker of Babylon was inspired by Singing in
1: the Rain and was maybe shooting for something akin to that, like 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 the underbelly version of singing in the rain. Well,
0: yeah, because, you know, the transition to sound was rough for people. You know, Garbo speaks Greta Garbo was one of the lucky ones. A a lot of these people could not did not make that transition successfully. Uh, And uh, at the Q&A, was that with Chazelle talking about how if you look back then, all these notable silent film personalities committed suicide uh, in in the late 20s because they just well, you know, the Great Depression was also sparked off. But uh, yeah, it was rough because audiences didn't want to hear some of these people. And the style of acting was completely different. So, yeah, yeah it, it, the singing in the rain can't really address that. But I do think it's interesting that singing in the rain was not this huge runaway hit, kind of like It's a Wonderful Life, where it would be years later uh, that audiences would come to love and revere it and i really think the same thing is going to happen at babylon yeah you keep saying that well because cost... stop trying
1: to make fetch happen
0: <laughs> no i don't know I, I i did like that movie i did too but i mean it cost 90 million dollars i don't know who's going to run out and want to experience it per se even though i think it's it swings i, I don't think it's perfect by any means but You know, it's doing a lot. And I just feel like people are going to dismiss it. And in 20 years, somebody's going to look at it and be like, you know, he did a a lot of actually really impressive things in it. Sure.
1: All right. What else you got? Oh, what would you give uh, singing in the rain?
0: I four and a half or five. I'd have to think about it. What did I put on Letterboxd? I have to check
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what do you have going on this week? This, what are we seeing? Avatar tomorrow. Well, you already, I've already, Nick already watched the new Avatar, but I'll be watching it tomorrow.
0: Yes, and I'm very excited to speak on that. Um, oh, god, there's uh, god, we, we've seen almost everything. Oh, so
1: it might be a light week for once.
0: It should. We're, I think, we're gonna watch something called The Almond and the Seahorse.
1: The Almond and the Seahorse. I sent
0: you a list of the last like nine or ten movies we have to watch, but that's one of them. Uh, I believe Charlotte Gainsbourg and Maybe Rebel Wilson. Mm, I, I don't need to watch that. Oh, Charlotte. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. I'll yeah, we up. need we need to support Charlotte Games please. Uh, so that is coming out this week. Uh, there's a documentary. You haven't responded to me for watching yet called, about Nellie and Nadine, about Lebesians. Uh, that documentary Wildcat Puss in Boots. Oh, I read. We the description
1: for the almond and the seahorse says an archaeologist and an architect fight to reimagine a future after a traumatic brain injury leaves them adrift from the people they love. that sounds, that sounds strange. insane. Strange. yeah.
0: I, <laughs> I think we'll it, see. Oh, the pale blue eye is probably one of the bigger ones we have to finish. You still oh, need with Kristen Bale? Uh, women talking, and uh, oh, I'm very excited to show you corsage with v- Vicky Creeps. Uh, mm. That was one of the best things I. Th- spot can this year and that that has a, a release
1: oh good mm-hmm. anything else
0: mm, i know
1: all right toodaloo
0: <laughs>